0: So we do talk with our clients and we check in after day 8, 9, 10, 11. We're here to be a resource, mm-hmm. but we're most involved in the very beginning stages. But things come up in a relationship. I mean, we're helping clients when sex comes up and mm-hmm. even when engagement's about to come up, and wow. we're still a resource for the client.
1: of Interstates and Heartbreak this week. And I'm extremely excited to introduce a new guest. Her name is Talia Goldstein. She is the founder of matchmaking company Three Day Rule and it was founded back in 2013. It has since expanded to a multitude of regions, including Los Angeles. And, you know, Talia actually had a really interesting background in that she was a producer at E! True Hollywood Story and then realized just through her own personal. Personal experience that she was a natural matchmaker and that this was her calling. And so she decided to follow this passion of helping people find love professionally. So I would love to introduce her and give her a moment to just say a couple more things about herself.
0: Thank you for having me. I was the producer at True Hollywood Story when I decided to launch this matchmaking company because I saw a need. There were so many people who were interesting, successful, attractive, and we're having trouble finding love. And I realized I had this hidden talent in setting people up. And so I ended up leaving my television career and launching Three Day Rule. And now we are all across the country. We are launching our 10th city. I started pairing people together that I worked with and my friends and sort of interesting couples that likely would never have met without me. And they started to be in relationships and getting married. And so I recognized that I had this weird talent in matching people up. And so I decided to start hosting events. And that way, my friends could meet my coworkers in a setting and I could run around and introduce as many people as I could. And those events became really popular. So we had 20 people at our first event then 300 people at the Viceroy in Santa Monica, and then 600 people at the London West Hollywood. And it was really at that event at the London where I looked at the crowd and I realized, here are 600 interesting, successful, attractive singles. Why are they having trouble finding love? And I realized something was missing in the market. And so I ultimately ended up quitting my job in television to start this matchmaking company
1: that's amazing and yeah i mean i think it's a question that many single people ask themselves every day is mm-hmm. all of these other areas of my life are working so well what is it about this final area that i can't really get together and i think it's great to mm-hmm. have the opportunity to bring in a professional in your case because you know for other things like your job or where you live or your family i don't know just Other things I think are less dependent on another person or if there is another person involved in that relationship, like with your family, it's, you know, someone who's going to be as invested as you no matter what. So it's really interesting when you have this additional area of your life, which is a huge priority, but that you don't really have that same level of control over. And I think it can be really great to bring in somebody else. You can just help with that added variable.
0: Yes. We're not educated on this. We go to school and we study and then we join career and we're constantly getting feedback and improving and you just don't get that with dating and so it's really easy to put it to the side and focus on other things but dating is a little bit like a job as well and it's important to prioritize it and really go through and learn about yourself and what you're looking for in order to become the best dater.
1: Yeah, definitely. It is like a job. And I feel like there are a lot of times when you can like look at it from an outside perspective and think, this is so much fun. It's just going out and meeting new people. And especially if you're a social person, that sounds great. But it does take a lot of work. And I think it can be more taxing and draining than people necessarily realize. And so having that help is so key.
0: Yes, I think it's a lot of fun in the Beginning and especially when you're young, mm-hmm. you know, you're not really searching for a long-term partner. So you're just having fun and connecting with the people that you enjoy spending time with. But as we get older and we're looking for a lifelong partner, it's so important to pick the right person. And mm-hmm. then it becomes just a little bit taxing to go out and meeting people and getting your heart broken and trying again. So it does become an exhausting process. Mm-hmm. And matchmaking really helps just to, to help you even figure out what is going to matter in 20 years. What type of person should you be dating?
1: That's very true, yeah. I think sometimes you need somebody to help you reflect on those things and really make you evaluate your decision-making process a little bit more critically than you might if you're just kind of going from date to date without taking that time to reflect afterwards.
0: Right. It is so easy to go on a date say, oh, there's no spark and move on to the (laughs) next person. But really it takes a lot of reflecting, well, what did you like? What didn't you like? How did that person make you feel? What are the qualities that are going to make a difference later in life? There's so much that goes into the process that I don't think people really give themselves the time and energy for.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Well, I'd love to take a step back to talk about your vision for the company in the early days. So for one, what was the inspiration behind the name three
0: day rule? Yes. So (laughs) it's been quite a journey, but the company (laughs) started, originally it started as a blog and Mm. The name came from the movie Swingers. It was this old stupid rule Mm -hmm. that men used to wait three days to call a girl after getting her phone number. Mm -hmm. So he didn't seem desperate. Mm -hmm. And the blog actually was a city search for women. And we would have them take a quiz. It would pop out what their type was. And we would tell them, here are all the bars in LA that your type goes to. Don't waste your time going to these other bars. Your person is at these 20 bars. And so we had this funny name. And then as it evolved into several other types of companies, we just kept the name. And Mm -hmm. so it still is the same to this day.
1: I love that so much. It's so catchy. And I mean, I definitely am familiar with that rule. And I feel like sometimes some people still abide by that as antiquated as it might be. But I feel like it's just so relatable and really attention grabbing. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) And so... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe your company is composed of exclusively female matchmakers. Is that correct?
0: Yes, we have female matchmakers. We do have a few male date coaches, Mm. and we were acquired a year and a half ago, and so we have a male CEO, but everybody else is female in the company. I love that.
1: So, What inspired the decision to go with exclusively female matchmakers?
0: you know, it wasn't really even a decision. We would love to have male matchmakers and Mm -hmm. we interview male matchmakers all the time. And we've had a few over the years. Mm -hmm. It hasn't worked out for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. Usually men and women both feel comfortable speaking to a woman openly. Mm -hmm. And so it's just worked out this way, but actually we'd love to have male matchmakers.
1: Okay. So potentially some evolution for the company going forward if the right fit comes along.
0: Definitely. Amazing.
1: So I know we touched on this a little bit in our intro because I was just so excited to dive into all the benefits of matchmaking. But I'd love to hear from your perspective, what would you say to somebody who's hesitant about signing up for a matchmaking service? Why matchmaking?
0: Mm -hmm. So many reasons. (laughs) There are so many reasons. First, it's just really nice to have somebody along the journey with you, Mm -hmm. getting to know you and what you're looking for. So I'll just walk you through briefly what the process is because it's so different than online dating. Mm -hmm. So anyone can sign up for free to join our database and then they're assigned a matchmaker. So the matchmaker will reach out and set up a time to get to know you. Mm -hmm. And in that call, we're learning all about your background, your goals, your upbringing it's a pretty deep dive Mm -hmm. into who you are as a person and what you're looking for. Then if we think it's a good fit and you're interested in moving forward as a client, then we assign you a matchmaker, a different person who is your personalized matchmaker. And that matchmaker's job is to interview potential matches for you and only send you the best ones. So Mm. we're essentially going on all of your bad first dates for you. And we're just sending you over (laughs) the most compatible best matches for you and then you're also assigned a separate person who's your dating strategist. Mm. And that person digs even deeper. Any patterns or challenges, insecurities, goals around dating, you mm. tackle with your strategist. And we do a photo shoot with you. So we have brand new oh, wow. high-resolution photos. And we also have a stylist who will go through a virtual closet edit right. with you to pick out some cool outfits for dating and for the photo shoot. Oh, wow. So it really is a holistic approach. And... There are so many reasons to hire a matchmaker, but I would say the main one is I'm very convinced people are swiping past their soulmates. You know, the yeah. way that people are dating today, it's so easy to just swipe on what's familiar and familiar mm-hmm. is not always what's best. So when you're working with a matchmaker, we're getting to see a 360 view of you and the matches and we're pairing you with people who are actually compatible with you. Mm-hmm. So
1: that's, brings up so many great points. I don't even know where to
0: begin, but the fact that
1: you mentioned that people are swiping past their soulmate, I feel like it's so true, and I am a broken record on this podcast. I feel like I always talk about the paradox of choice with dating, and so one question I have is, how have you seen your business and the strategy that you've had to take evolve as online dating has become more prevalent? Because back in 2013, I imagine it wasn't really as big of a competitor for ways that people would go about finding a partner.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. When I started the company, there was Matchy, Harmony, J-Date, and The Millionaire Matchmaker and Mm -hmm. nothing in between. So (laughs) when the online dating sites came out or the dating apps, it made us a little nervous to be Mm. perfectly honest, but actually they were the best thing that ever happened to our business because what's happening is people are going on the apps, and they're becoming exhausted and demoralized and frustrated and then they're coming to a matchmaker to outsource their love life. And so we're like a VIP layer above the dating apps. Mm. When you are tired and done and frustrated, <laughs> you come to us and we save you. So we encourage people to actually stay on the apps while working with us, but we mm. really help them not only with their profile, but just the overall mindset and who they should be swiping on because that's Mm -hmm. really the biggest issue is that you're swiping past people who really could be great matches for you.
1: Yeah. And I have said this before as well. I feel like with some of the people who I've dated in the past and had long-term successful relationships with, I actually met them all in person and I don't really know if I would have swiped right on them and it's not a negative to them whatsoever. It's just, you know, I wouldn't say that they fit into any sort of cookie cutter type, and I don't know how they would present themselves digitally. And so it is really interesting to think, like, how would I have responded had I encountered them in a different medium versus getting to interact with them in person and see that there was chemistry and that it was a good fit.
0: Right. We see that all the time with our success stories. Nearly half of our success stories married someone outside of their criteria, So they came to us and they said, this is what we're looking for, X, Y, and Z. We paired them with someone a little outside their criteria, Mm -hmm. and they went on to get married. And they tell us, I would have swiped right past that person if I saw them online.
1: So that's really
0: interesting. Do you get any
1: pushback when you try to set clients up with people who are outside of that original criteria range?
0: It is a process that we work on together. So we're teammates through this, and our clients pick three must-haves. So these are the absolute non-negotiables as we're interviewing matches for them. No one's going to pass the test unless they've met these three things. And Mm -hmm. usually that's not what we're trying to open their mind about. It's usually the nice to haves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe they really would love to have someone six feet tall, but we have the most amazing guy and he's Mm 5'10", well, maybe they would have swiped past that person online, but because we've gotten to know him, they're open to meeting him. So it's usually in the nice-to-have category where they're more willing to open their mind. Mm -hmm. And it's just different when we're meeting the person and we're vouching for them, they're more likely to go on a date versus if they saw that person on a dating app. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But the people who are the most successful in this process come in with an open mind, and they are willing to be surprised they are willing to trust their matchmakers, they have the most success. Yeah, that makes total sense.
1: Do you say that you would have an average quote unquote clientele or any commonalities that you tend to notice amongst clients, or is it a pretty wide range of people who are coming to you for your services?
0: Well, we service a wide range. We work with ages twenty-one to eighty and amazing. we work with both men and women and LGBTQ. So we do have a wide range, but the common theme is that they're successful, busy professionals looking mm-hmm. for a committed relationship.
1: Which is so amazing. I mean, that's ideal. It's like you can have any orientation you want, any age range you want, but like the one commonality is they're all gonna be successful and driven. Like what else could you ask for? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like, you know, a lot of people might be unfamiliar with matchmaking in their own personal life. If it's not something that they've sought out for themselves, but I feel like there are these perceptions of matchmaking in the media. And, you know, you brought up like millionaire matchmaker, for example, which I admittedly watched and loved. And then recently like Indian matchmaking has become Mm -hmm. very popular on Netflix are there any issues that you take with either of these depictions or are there any like misconceptions that you would say arise in either of these or any other media perceptions maybe that you've encountered?
0: Yeah, I do think some people have the misconception. They think matchmaking is for people who are desperate, mm-hmm. but it's actually exactly the opposite. It's for people. Successful professionals who just want the best of the best mm-hmm. and want an expert to help them. Just in the same way you hire a realtor or a personal trainer, you're hiring mm-hmm. an expert. And so some people have that misconception. I do think it's changing, especially as more and more people are speaking publicly about using a matchmaker. Mm-hmm. I loved Indian matchmaking. <laughs> it was really fun to watch someone else do my job. So I think it's great that these shows exist. So more people realize that matchmaking is a great option. It has been pretty private. And so I'm sure anybody listening knows Mm -hmm. many people who have actually used a matchmaker but didn't share. Mm -hmm. And now that we have more and more of these shows, they're open to speaking about it.
1: Yeah. Which is really great. Like there shouldn't be a stigma around it, but I can definitely imagine that people are less likely to share at least early on when it was not really in the zeitgeist as much.
0: Exactly. Yes. I mean, she speaks publicly about it. So I feel okay sharing. Mm -hmm. You know, we worked with Webb, who's the founder of dry bar. And I actually went on her podcast and she was happened to be single at the time. And after she turned to me and said like, okay, I'm in, let's do it. And we matched her successfully and she couldn't be happier, but she speaks publicly about it. So it's really helpful to have people who are well-known speaking about their experience. Yeah, I
1: totally agree. So I think that one thing, and I'm thinking specifically about millionaire matchmaker in this instance, like in that show, I feel like there was a very like tough love mentality and she was very direct and I think a lot of times she gave advice that was fair. But would you say that your matchmakers kind of have that tough love mentality, or is it like a different approach that's been sensationalized just for the sake of reality television?
0: I do think that is her particular personality. (laughs) I think that is actually real. We take a different approach, like I would say, you know, we're not trying to change anyone where mm-hmm. sometimes on the show too, she would say like, you have curly hair, you need to straighten your hair. That's what guy's like. like we're not sure. going to change you. We're going to just bring out the best version of yourself. And we do give people feedback that is incredibly valuable in this process, but it's in a really loving way. Like we are teammates, we are partners, we're your best friend, therapist, cheerleader, all of that. Mm-hmm. So Our approach is different, but we do believe in tough love. I
1: think that's great. It's like the balance of having that friend that you go to. Because, you know, we all have friends that we go to for different things. We have the friend that we go to when we just need to commiserate, when we might need that tough love, when we just need someone to, like, boost our ego. So it sounds like having a matchmaker is kind of like having that all rolled up in one. They're really just coming at it with all of those approaches and, like, a combined balanced mix of all of that, which is hard to find in just a friend.
0: It is. And sometimes... And maybe they don't recognize that this is happening, but friends can actually like sabotage you in some Mm -hmm. ways, you know, sometimes you'll go to a friend and say, I met this guy and he called me an hour late and they're like, girl, no, that is not the right fit for you. You need to, it's like, no, actually you should just give that guy the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he actually was working. And so when we're you're working with a matchmaker, We understand everything that's going on. We have Mm -hmm. feedback from both sides and we can very clearly see what's happening Mm -hmm. where if you're just going to a friend, you know, they love you so much. They might give you that type of advice when it's not really in your best interest.
1: That's so true. I didn't even consider the fact that you are seeing both sides. So it really takes out that guesswork of having to kind of sift through past text conversations and decode what he might have meant. It's like, no, I can literally just ask and figure out what's going on and get that real feedback about how they were feeling. And taking out that guesswork even is just such an emotional savior because that can be so draining.
0: It can. And I cannot tell you how much miscommunication happens in the beginning stages of the relationship Mm
1: -hmm.
0: where it's people are texting and tone is misinterpreted or they don't call you right at exactly eight o'clock and then you're upset. Yeah, We know exactly what is happening and Oftentimes, it's really not a big deal. It's something so innocent, Mm -hmm. and we're bridging the gap between two people who really like each other and don't know.
1: Yeah, so I guess how involved are the matchmakers throughout the course of relationships? Because you mentioned it's really difficult in those beginning stages. So is it after like, oh, three days or like five days? Like when do the matchmakers kind of take a step back and allow the relationship to progress without their involvement versus kind of shepherding that and being a conduit between the two people?
0: We're most helpful in the very beginning stages. So Mm -hmm. I would say up until date five or six, Mm -hmm. And then we take a back seat and we are available. If either side wants to get advice from us, we are here. So we do talk with our clients and we check in after day 8, 9, 10, 11. We're here to to be a resource, mm-hmm. but we're most involved in the very beginning stages. But things come up in a relationship. I mean, we're helping clients... When sex comes up and Mm -hmm. even when engagement's about to come up, we're still a resource for the clients. Oh
1: my God. That is really, really cool. It's just so great to know that it's not like you're ever going to wash your hands of the experience. You can really go in and be like, okay, this big transition is about to happen in our relationship. What do I do? It's just really reassuring to know that that's an added element of support. That's built-in. Definitely.
0: Even after, I mean, we're talking to clients after they are married and having babies. we become friends with them. So even though, you know, their technical contract ends, the relationship <laughs> still remains. That's
1: so great. I can imagine you're very invested
0: in that point. Definitely. It's so fun. I mean, attending these weddings and it's a moment where you really get to reflect on the experience. I love going to the weddings and thinking... Nobody would be here if I didn't set these people up. Yeah. (laughs) You're moving so quickly in the job that you don't really think about that. But at the weddings, you have time to reflect. That is really
1: great. So I guess, you know, it must be very rewarding, obviously. And have there been any success stories that have been particularly memorable or particularly surprising without, of course, giving any personal details away just in terms Mm -hmm. of the circumstances?
0: My favorite success stories are the couples who would never have met without us. Mm -hmm. The ones that would certainly have swiped past each other online. One of my personal favorites is this girl that I met. I actually met her through her family. And she was preppy and she was looking for sort of like a Jewish finance guy. Mm -hmm. That was the, the ideal. And I had a guy who I worked with who was Catholic covered in tattoos (laughs) long hair like a rocker and I just could tell that they would get along and I paired them up and they ended up getting married and having a baby and so I'm convinced they would not have even crossed paths if it weren't for being set up
1: that's so true because it's like even when you think about you know taking away the fact that we are swiping past people who might be a good match i even think about some people you know back in the day when we could meet people in person regularly I'm not going to talk to everybody who I see at a bar. You know, there's certain people who you just kind of sum them up and either consciously or subconsciously you think like, Oh, that person isn't a good fit for me. Like we wouldn't have anything in common. So it's nice when you have someone to vet them and be like, no, like appearances aren't everything. Like you can get along on X, Y, and Z areas that aren't necessarily, I don't know. They're not obvious just by looking at somebody.
0: Right. There's so much more to a person than just the quick glance. And Mm -hmm. in this case, When I started asking her questions, I could tell that she had a bit of an edge to her, which, you know, first impression, I would not have thought. Mm -hmm. And so I had this conversation with her. I said, I have this amazing guy. I think you could be a great fit. He's not taking you to fancy dinners, and he's not going to take you to the Four Seasons, but he will take you on really fun adventures and concerts. Mm -hmm. And he was a golfer. She's like, you know, that sounds interesting. And she was open-minded and willing to be surprised. So those are key uh, in finding a relationship. Mm-hmm.
1: So when you are onboarding new matchmakers, I'm curious what the training process is like. What do you advise them on in terms of like things to look for that would indicate the two people might be a good match?
0: Mm-hmm. There's definitely a training process mm-hmm. and there's a long interview process to bring on a matchmaker and every matchmaker that joins the team genuinely cares about every client who walks in the door. Mm -hmm. They've been doing this in their personal lives the way that I was doing it. So they're coming with some knowledge of matchmaking, but they do go through an intense training and continued training. We bring in guest speakers and we're meeting several times a month and the matchmakers are helping each other out and sharing stories. So there's a lot that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Usually what it comes down to is core values. It's what is what really matters to you. And then that's different for everyone, but typically that's most important in pairing two people together. It's not necessarily what their interests are. That doesn't Mm -hmm. really make a difference. It's what their goals are and and what their core values are.
1: Mm -hmm. So when you say core values, like which values in particular are you looking at?
0: It's different for everyone. It's It might be family Mm -hmm. is a core value or education or wealth, generosity, adventure. So whatever feels most important to that person. Mm -hmm. And part of our process is to take everything you're looking for and narrow it down. So we separate things into must-haves and nice-to-haves. Because oftentimes people come to us with a list of 75 things they're looking for. It's very hard to find that in one person. Mm -hmm. And so just going through the exercise of at the core, what is going to be most important in your future and narrowing that down.
1: Yeah. And I think that's even a great exercise for anybody to go through because I feel like we do have these things that we think matter a lot but haven't necessarily taken the time to think about how much it matters or why it matters to us specifically. So yeah, definitely very interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's changing. I'm even noticing with the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, what people thought was really important 6 months ago is not what they think is important today. You know, after being home and spending time with a quarantine partner and having a lot of your life taken away, we're not traveling, we're not filling our schedules. What matters is changing for people.
1: That's true. So that brings up a really interesting topic as well and I was listening to another podcast the other day and it's a dating podcast and there are these two single women and they were just being very vulnerable about how they didn't really see the need to be in a serious relationship like it's if it happened great but it wasn't a priority and now that you know their lives are less full because of the pandemic and the shutdowns they've thought about that more seriously and it's been something that they're more open to and I guess I'm curious if you've seen an uptick potentially in class. or has the pandemic impacted your business in any ways that might have been unexpected?
0: It's been a journey. We shut everything down. As soon as the pandemic happened, we thought nobody's going to date. We're going to put everyone on hold. Mm -hmm. And we just sort of assumed the worst. But actually, last month was our best month in history. Oh, wow. It is so busy right now. And I think it's because people are really searching for a meaningful connection. They're home. They're not traveling. They're not filling their schedules. Mm -hmm. And they're searching for true love and a true partner. Mm -hmm. And so it actually has taken a turn that we really did not expect
1: Wow, that's really exciting. And I guess that is one bright spot of all of this craziness is it's made people reflect, hopefully made people settle down. It's funny because I think that in the very early stages of this, when no one had any clue what was going to happen, I personally will admit I thought it was going to last a couple of weeks and then things yes. would be back to normal. And so I think that once it got to like a month or a month and a half, there was this joke where people were like, oh, people want to settle down now and are like reaching out to exes. But then as soon as we get back out there, everyone's going to go crazy. And I feel like the fact that it's like, well, we couldn't get out there after a month. People had to reflect even more and just get a little more serious than maybe they would have if this had been a short term thing.
0: Yeah. And who knows how long this is going to go? It seems like they're saying hunker down for the fall and the winter and this yeah. could be a year long so it is an opportunity to take the time while you have it to reflect on what's important to reflect on what you're looking for in a partner and just take that step like work with a matchmaker or become more open-minded online or ask your friends to set you up because mm-hmm. it's a surprisingly great time to meet someone yeah it, it really is
1: so I think that being said If there are people who are thinking about this and they're like, you know what, I want to get out there, I want to do this, I would love to hear more about some of the ways that you have found clients get in their way during dating. And I think it's just really a great thing to reflect on before embarking on something like this, just because it's going to be aware of, you know, maybe some ways that you're kind of sabotaging yourself or holding yourself back and to hear any advice on how to overcome that.
0: Where do I even begin? (laughs) Well, I think the main thing is, you know, people think their person's coming in a particular package and most likely they're coming in a different package. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to be open-minded and know that your person really can come in any shape and Mm -hmm. form and to go into every day with an open mind Also, to recognize the person sitting across from you is not your ex. They really (laughs) deserve a fair shot, a clean slate. Mm -hmm. And so to go into every day with a fresh open mind. I would say those are are the biggest things that I see. Just people really having a narrow view of what their person is like. For example, if you're saying, I'm looking for a guy who's six feet tall. Mm -hmm. Well... 14% of men in the U.S. are over six feet tall. And so we're going to assume half are single. You just narrowed your pool to 7%. And now you want Ivy League educated and you want them to come from a stable family and make a certain amount of income. You are working with like 1% of people in your city. And Mm -hmm. so just even going through that exercise to recognize that You know, you're you're looking at, at, you know, hundreds of people. Also, that guy has to be interested in you. Mm -hmm. So it is very important to go into dating with an open mind.
1: Wow, that's so true. And it brings to mind, have you seen the movie How to Be Single?
0: I don't think I have.
1: It's kind of like, you know, a cheesy like YA rom-com but it's kind of good and it has some great messages and there's this scene where this single woman who's been online dating and literally treats it like it's a science she's talking to this guy and he's like why can't you find someone you're in New York there is x million people in this city and she just like pours out a jar of peanuts onto the bar counter and she's like okay well there's this many people and then she splits it and she's like Half of them are women. And then she like takes away, she's like, this percentage are gay. She's like, this percent are already married. And then by the time it gets down to like what she's looking for, there's like half of a peanut left. And what you just said really reminded me of that visual of just like, yeah, you know, you don't really realize how much you're filtering until you just don't have that big of a pool to choose from anymore. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's so tr- Everyone is in search of the bigger, better deal. So you're on a date with someone and they seem great. And then instead of giving them a fair shot, you're back online and you're looking for, oh, is there somebody even better out there? And everybody's doing it. And Mm so dating has become very fast, very judgmental. Mm -hmm. And we're not really giving people a fair shot. So it is important to go on the date. If there's something there, if you are remotely attracted to him and he seems like a nice person, go out again Mm -hmm. and then give him a second shot at least. Mm -hmm. Because it's so it's so quick to, to crank it out and then nobody ends up being perfect and you're always in search for someone better.
1: That's so true. So I guess that brings up the opposite issue in that sometimes there are people who can be really accommodating, and I think that there are times when it's easy to get in your head and say, am I being too selective? And should I just kind of go on another date and another date with this person to see if it's actually going to be a fit and maybe I'm being too hasty. So when you advise clients to finally listen to that instinct that like maybe it's not a match, like how do you make that distinction of being too picky versus just like having standards that you need to meet?
0: Yeah, I think it's a handful of dates. We're not talking Mm -hmm. about dating for months to figure Mm -hmm. this out. It's like, two, maybe three days Mm -hmm. to see if there's a connection. And also just to recognize and understand how you feel around that person. Mm -hmm. It's important that you have a sense of ease that you are completely yourself. Sometimes we get tricked into thinking that crazy butterflies mean sparks and (laughs) this is the person, but... Oftentimes, that's exactly the opposite way of how you should be feeling. Mm -hmm. You should just feel secure and at ease, and you know what that other person's thinking. And and so just really giving it two or three dates to see Mm -hmm. how you feel.
1: Yeah, and I love that you brought up the butterflies because I feel like in a lot of movies, maybe less so in present day, but a lot of those classic movies or TV shows where you see what is depicted as the Gold standard of love. You just see these really tumultuous back and forth relationships, and maybe they're fighting and it's really passionate, and it idealizes that. But in reality, I feel like that's just so exhausting and not really a recipe for long term success. But it's kind of what's been packaged to us as what we kind of should be looking for in terms of excitement and keeping the spark going. So, just very interesting.
0: Yeah, it's like anxiety because you don't know if he's going to call and did he like you and did you, (laughs) you should just feel safe and know that he's interested and he's going to call you. Yeah,
1: definitely. If someone likes you, they'll want to see you again, you know, so you shouldn't be wondering like, well, when am I going to hear from them? It should just be natural and it should progress if both parties are interested, which sounds so silly to say, but I think it can be easy to forget kind of in the day to day of things because things don't always work out that linearly.
0: Yes. I will say though, there are so many times where both parties are interested, but they don't know the other person is interested. And so Mm -hmm. then they don't act on it. So if you go on a date and you actually are interested, you have to let the other person know, because especially for women, sometimes we'll go on a date and we'll be a little guarded inside. We'll be excited. But he doesn't think we're interested, and so he's not going to ask us out again. So it is very important at the end of the date to show, you know, tell the person, you know, male or female, Mm -hmm. you had a great time, you'd love to see them again, or some indication that you want another date.
1: Yeah, I guess, how do you advise your female clients to go about that? Like, aside from just saying, I had a good time, like, is there anything else that you think that people should do to indicate that? And I feel like especially as a female Just going into some of the more stereotypical depictions, sometimes there's the idea that you should be more coy and you should let people chase you. But to your point, that conveys mixed signals. So kind of how do you work around that?
0: Yes. I'm a believer in being proactive. If you're on a date with someone and you already know you want another date and something comes up like some band that you both like... Mm -hmm you can easily say, oh, when that person comes to town, we should go check them out. Mm -hmm. Or we should do go to the museum. Or I'd love to do that. I'd love to show you this thing. Like somehow indicating that you want another date Mm -hmm. and making it very easy for him to ask you out. You don't have to go overboard. But I see on my end so many times where The woman was interested and the man really had no idea. We we get post-date feedback after every date. And a lot of times people are on two different dates. (laughs) The feedback is so different. And what they thought the other person was thinking is so different. So it's also important not to make assumptions about what the other person's thinking. Oh, my
1: gosh. That's so true. That's so funny. Just the idea of like being on two different dates. I'm like, oh, I guess this isn't going anywhere. (laughs) But little did you know. Right. my gosh. So have you had any crazy client stories or clients that you've just been like, I cannot work with this? Like any deal breakers on your end from a matchmaking perspective? For sure. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you'd say that.
0: (laughs) Well, first we don't work with everyone. So part of my job and some of the other matchmakers jobs is to interview people before we take them on as a client and we Mm -hmm. don't work with everyone so if somebody comes to us and their list is outrageous and we don't get the sense they're willing to open their mind we're not the right fit for Mm -hmm. them and we won't work with them as a client Mm -hmm. but every now and then a client slips through the cracks they seem really (laughs) open-minded and then they get into it and their list is so long and they are so strict about it Mm -hmm. and that's really tough and oftentimes they're not willing to even talk to the strategist, which mm. could be really helpful for them. But they think, well, I already know what I want and I know how to date and I don't need your help. Those are the Actually, most difficult clients us? to work with. <laughs> Yet I, yes. Sometimes people come to us and they think, I already know everything. I already know what I want. I just need you to deliver this person on a silver platter. Oh Yeah. So that can be really tough to work with, but we try to get ahead of it and just take on the people who are really open to the process.
1: That's really great. And then it's another layer of filtering for the clients you do take on because then you're you're really only sifting through those people who are emotionally available and ready for a healthy relationship rather than just like a person who checks a bunch of boxes.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. Well,
1: So I had a game that I wanted to play with you and I feel like it's very applicable to what you do and kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about the media depictions of relationships and how they're shown as the ideal, but they're not necessarily always the ideal. So the game I would like to play with you is, would they be a match? And so I have a bunch of famous couples from either movies or from TV shows that most people know in some capacity. And I would love to hear your thoughts on whether or not you think they would actually be a match in real life and why or why not.
0: Okay, I hope I know these people.
1: <laughs> the first one is Ron and Hermione from Harry Potter.
0: Oh. <laughs> I would say yes, that they're a match.
1: Oh, I love it. I love them so much. And I've never really questioned it. One of my friends did pose a very controversial theory that if it were real life, Hermione would end up with Harry. I still don't know how I feel about that. I I don't
0: think so. I think that uh, Harry and Hermione are two stars. Mm -hmm. And two stars don't necessarily pair well together, but a star and a rock pairs well together. And so... Hermione is the star and Ron is the rock. Interesting. Wait,
1: can you elaborate a little bit more about like the star and the rock? I feel like I get the gist of it, but would love to hear more about, you know, that classification.
0: Yeah. Hermione is a little more strong minded and life of the party is not the right word, but she's (laughs) she's a little more out there and strong willed. And Ron is sort of her support system. Like he still has confidence. He has a quiet confidence, Mm -hmm. but he's there to support her and is her biggest fan and so oftentimes that combination works well.
1: Nice. I, that makes a lot of sense and it's interesting. So, I feel like I'm pretty extroverted and I have not ever dated someone who is as extroverted as myself. I feel like there have been degrees. Like the last person I dated extremely introverted, like I had him on the podcast to talk about it and it is always this question of me wondering, like, why do I keep ending up with introverts? But maybe there is something to just having that balance and not necessarily having two people who have that same need for energy and interaction to kind of balance each other out.
0: Yes, exactly. It's, it's exhausting to have two stars in a relationship. Yeah.
1: Even as I think about it, it does seem very <laughs> exhausting. All right. So the next couple is Noah and Allie from The Notebook.
0: This is so, I don't even remember that movie. I think I saw it one time, but from what I remember, they are a match. Okay, that's fair. (laughs)
1: That's fair. fair. Yeah, I mean, after decades, you know, you would hope that you're only going to end up with someone if it's actually a fit. Yes. Okay, so then the next proposition, Angela and Dwight from The Office.
0: Okay, again, (laughs) I've (laughs) probably seen a handful of episodes, but I think I know, Angela's the blonde, right? Yes. I think that, from what I remember, she's a lot. Yeah. yeah, she is. So she might be better off with someone a little more, like, mellow. hmm So I'm not sure that they're the perfect match, but I'm probably not the right person to ask. I, I may have seen, like, five episodes.
1: Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And I, I agree with you. I know everyone thinks they're so great. But, I don't know, I have a lot of thoughts about the characters of The Office and those matches. I don't don't really think that they would be a good match either. I think there's someone better for Dwight out there.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cam and Jim, I remember them. They were a good match. Yes.
1: (laughs) All right. so, from Modern Family, Claire and Phil Dunphy.
0: Yes. I do think they're a great match. They both have a sense of humor. She is a little more on... She's type A. Mm -hmm. And he's... Goofy, so he brings out that side in her. And she, going back to the star and rock, like she's sort of the star and he's the rock, like he's Mm -hmm. there to support her and adore her. Mm -hmm. But I do think they're a good mix of like sort of type A and a playful partner. Yeah,
1: definitely good to have that balance because like Phil needs someone to keep him in line, but Claire also needs to unwind and like not take everything so seriously.
0: Yes, and they both clearly value family as their core values, Mm -hmm. so I I like that match. Yeah,
1: me too. So, I realize this is one of my favorite romantic movies, and yet I cannot remember the characters' names off the top of my head, but Richard Gere and Julia Roberts from Pretty Woman.
0: Hmm. I barely remember (laughs) the movie, but we do work with a lot of discerning executives, Mm. and it's from what I remember, he reminds me of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, They probably are a good match, but for a specific type of couple, like what he was searching for and what she was searching for, Mm -hmm. it's not like as traditional as some of the other couples (laughs) we've talked about, Mm -hmm. but certainly that can work well. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of along the lines of what we said earlier about someone who maybe is a little bit uptight and type A and like she was definitely a free spirit and brought a different perspective that he would not have had by any means. So unlikely, but could be a great match depending. Yeah,
0: I would say I see that a lot with divorced men Mm. who have been married and then are sort of set free and (laughs) are looking for someone a little younger, a little more free spirited Mm -hmm. for the next chapter in their lives. Yeah, yeah.
1: So then the next couple is from The O.C., Ryan and Marissa.
0: I don't remember that at all. That's totally fair. But I will say, and I think he's from The O.C., I just keep seeing photos of Adam Brody and – what's her name? Leighton? Leighton, like Leighton Meister. Leighton, yes, and they look <laughs> adorable. Either. And I do feel like they're, they're a good match, and it seems like they're both pretty – private and wanting to live like a more normal life mm-hmm. and so I like them together
1: yeah you're so right because I even forgot that they were together I remember seeing it briefly and there was a part of me that was like my favorite high school show and then my favorite college show both like guilty pleasures of course
0: yeah they seem like genuine nice people yeah
1: <laughs> so the next one I have is Ross and Rachel from Friends
0: yes they're a good couple
1: interesting okay so I I know they're, like, one of the pinnacle couples. I have some thoughts about them. I don't know. I just feel like they seem very different to me, and also the on and off nature was a little bit off-putting to me. But I'd love to hear about, like, why you think they're a good match.
0: Yes. Okay. Okay. I agree that the on and off nature, and I honestly didn't watch the show too much. So mm-hmm. if I really dig deep, probably Ross should be with somebody a little bit um, nerdier is maybe not the right word. And Rachel should be with someone like a little on the cooler side, but <laughs> still not too cool. Mm-hmm. But what I do like about them is that he just absolutely adored and cherished and would have done anything for her. Mm-hmm. And so She should have been all in with him. Like She should have really appreciated that throughout their relationship. So I love that. But probably, in reality, they belong with other partners. Yeah, but you bring up a
1: great point in that the fact that he did idolize her so much, and not even in a creepy way, just like, oh, I really care about this person. I've known her for so many years, and I've seen her evolve, and I still care about her this much— that does seem like it would be a really great foundation.
0: Definitely, I mean, she could be a hundred percent herself. He would be there no matter what through the ups and downs, and that is so important in a long-term partnership. Just mm-hmm. as you know, conflict arises and pandemics happen, and yeah. you want someone who will always listen and be there for you. Mm-hmm. So he seemed like an amazing partner, mm-hmm. and. Work well with somebody as emotional as she was, yeah. And it's
1: like he's definitely seen her at her worst and vice versa. So they're willing to be together after that, then that's a pretty strong factor for them staying together long term,
0: yeah. That's a tough one,
1: yeah. (laughs) So then I just have one more (laughs) Carrie and Big from Sex in the City.
0: Oh, okay. I also barely watched this, (laughs) I am not a TV person, but from what I did see. She should not have continued to chase him. No. He was not emotionally available. And so, no, I don't think that they ultimately were the right couple.
1: Yeah, I wanted to end on that one because I have so many thoughts about it. And that is one that's just idolized so much. Like, even in the movie, Charlotte is like yeah, they're engaged. And you know, she's been dating the man on and off for 10 years and says it like it's a positive thing. But that is not a positive thing. Like if it were a 10 year solid relationship, fine, you know, not every relationship has to move at an accelerated pace. But it was 10 years because he was with someone else and like would be hot and cold. And the fact that they were the central relationship in the show, and it ended with them together and showed that like it was this ultimate victory i had a lot of issues with
0: mm-hmm. i totally agree and i don't remember what ended up happening with this story but i always really liked charlotte and what does this mean harry and, and, and harry yes uh, they were the best that's a really great example of she probably would have swipe right past him on an app yeah. but he was such an amazing husband from the episodes that i saw i don't mm-hmm. know what ended up happening And just adored her. Yeah.
1: And I think that that is the epitome of what you've been describing because they do end up together. And before that, she marries this other guy who checks every single box of what she wants ends up being a horrible marriage. Yeah. It's just, it really goes to show you don't necessarily know what will work until you give something a try. Exactly. Yeah. So this has been amazing. And I would love if you could just plug... How people can sign up, any websites or social media that they should follow in order to get more information about Three Day Rule. And then I can add all of that to the show notes.
0: Great. Yes, anyone can sign up at 3dayrule.com. You have to spell out three because I forgot to pay the GoDaddy subscription (laughs) on Three Day Rule, the number. now it's an 80s cover band. Oh no. Go to three spelled out day rule. And it takes two minutes to sign up. It's free to get in the database and our social handles are all three-day rules spelled out.
1: Amazing. I honestly may be in that database right after this because it all sounds great. So thank you so much. You're
0: welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.